Section 7, Business, Part 1, of The Empire of Business, by Andrew Carnegie. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by William Jones, Bonita Springs, Florida. The Empire of Business, Section 7, Business, Part 1. Business is a large word, and in its primary meaning covers the whole range of man's efforts. It is the business of the preacher to preach, of the physician to practice, of the poet to write, the business of the university professor to teach, and the business of the college student, one might sometimes think, from the amount of attention bestowed upon it, to play football. I am not to speak of business in this wide sense, but specifically as defined in the Century Dictionary. Quote, Mercantile and manufacturing pursuits collectively. Employment requiring knowledge of accounts and financial methods. The occupation of conducting trade or monetary transactions of any kind. Close quote. The illustration which follows is significant and clearly defines this view of business. It reads, It seldom happens that men of a studious turn acquire any degree of reputation for their knowledge of business. But we must go one step further, more strictly to define business, as I am to consider it. Is a railway president receiving a salary, or the president of a bank, or a salaried officer of any kind in business? Strictly speaking, he is not. For a man to be in business must be at least part owner of the enterprise which he manages, and to which he gives his attention, and chiefly dependent for his revenues, not upon salary, but upon its profits. This view rules out the entire salaried class. None of these men is now a man in business, but many of them have been, and most successful therein. The businessman, pure and simple, plunges into and tosses upon the waves of human affairs without a life-preserver in the shape of salary. He risks all. CHOICE OF A CAREER there is no great fortune to come from salary however high, and the businessman pursues fortune. If he be wise, he puts all his eggs in one basket, and then watches that basket. If he is a merchant in coffee, he attends to coffee. If a merchant in sugar, he attends to sugar, and lets coffee alone, and only mixes them when he drinks his coffee with sugar in it. If he mine coal and sell it, he attends to the black diamonds. If he own and sell ships, he attends to shipping, and he ceases to insure his own ships just as soon as he has surplus capital and can stand the loss of one without imperiling solvency. If he manufactures steel, he sticks to steel and severely lets copper alone. If he mine ironstone, he sticks to that and avoids every other kind of mining, silver and gold mining especially. This is because man can thoroughly master only one business, and only an able man can do this. I have never yet met a man who fully understood two different kinds of business. 
You cannot find him any sooner than you can find a man who thinks in two languages equally and does not invariably think only in one. Subdivision, specialization, is the order of the day. Every man to his trade or his specialty. I have before me many representatives of all classes of students. If I could look into your hearts, I should find many differing ambitions, some aiming at distinction in each of the professions. Some would be lawyers, some ministers, some doctors, some architects, some electricians, some engineers, some teachers, and each sets before him as models honored names that have reached the highest rank in those professions. The embryo lawyers before me would rival Marshall and Story of the past, or Carter and Choate of the present. The preacher would be a Brooks or a Van Dyke, the physician a Janeway or Garmany. The editor would be a Dana, the architect a Richardson, and, having reached the top of his darling profession, his ambition then would be satisfied. At least so he thinks at present. With these classes I have nothing whatever to do directly today, because all these are professional enthusiasts. Nevertheless, the qualities essential for success in the professions, being in the main the same which ensures success in business, much that I have to say applies equally to you all. There remains among you those who would sail the uncertain seas of business and devote themselves to making money, a great fortune, so that you shall be millionaires. I am sure that while this may be chiefly in your thoughts, it is not all you seek in a business career. You feel that in it there is scope for exercise of great abilities, of enterprise, energy, judgment, and all the best traits of human nature and also that men in business perform useful service to society. I am to try to shed a little light upon the path to success, to point out some of the rocks and shoals in that treacherous sea, and give a few hints as to the mode of sailing your ship or rowing your shell, whether, for instance, the quick or the slow stroke is surer to win the long race. THE START IN LINE let us begin, then, at the beginning. Is any would-be businessman before me content and forecasting his future to figure himself as laboring all his life for a fixed salary? Not one, I am sure. In this you have the dividing line between business and non-business. The one is a master and depends upon profits, the other a servant and depends upon salary. Of course you have all to begin as servants with salary, but you have not all to end there. You have some difficulty in obtaining a start, great difficulty as a rule, but here comes in the exceptional student. There is not much difficulty for him. He has attracted the attention of his teachers, who know many men of affairs, has taken prizes, he is ahead of his class, has shown unusual ability founded upon characteristics which are sure to tell in the race. He has proved himself self-respecting, has irreproachable habits, good sense, method, 
untiring industry, and his spare hours are spent in pursuing knowledge, that being the labor in which he most delights. One vital point more. His finances are always sound. He rigorously lives within his means, and last but not least he has shown that his heart is in his work. Besides all this, he has usually one strong guarantee of future industry and ambitious usefulness. He is not burdened with wealth. It is necessary that he make his own way in the world. He is not yet a millionaire, but is only going to be one. He has no rich father, or, still more dangerous, rich mother, who can and will support him in idleness should he prove a failure. He has no life-preserver, and therefore must sink or swim. Before that young man leaves college he is a marked man. More than one avenue is open for him. The door opens before he is ready to knock. He is waited for by the sagacious employer. Not the written certificate of his professor, for certificates have generally to be read, and are read within the lines but a word or two spoken to the businessman who is always on the lookout for the exceptional young graduate has secured the young man all that a young man needs a start the most valuable acquisition to his business which an employer can obtain is an exceptional young man there is no bargain so fruitful for him as this it is of course much more difficult for only the average student. He has generally to search for employment, but finally he also gets a start. Openings to Success It is the career of the exceptional student which illustrates the pathway to success. We need not render ourselves anxious about him. He is all right. He has been thrown into the sea, but he does not need any life preserver. He does not need to be coddled. He will swim. He was not born to be drowned, and you see him breast the waves year after year until he is at the head of a great business. His start, of course, is not at the head. He is at the foot. Fortunately so, for that is the reason his progress has always been upward. If he had started high, he would not have had the chance to make a continual ascent. It does not matter how he starts, for the qualities in him are such as to produce certain effects in any field he enters. He goes forward upon a very small salary, performing certain small uses indeed, much smaller than he thinks himself capable of performing, but these he performs thoroughly. Some day in some way something happens that brings him to the notice of his immediate superior he objects to some plan proposed and thinks it can be bettered in some way or he volunteers to assist in a department other than his own or he stays one day later at his work than usual or goes some morning sooner because there was some part of the business that had not been entirely settled the night before or there was something to start next morning that he was afraid might not be ready or just right, and he just goes down early to be sure. His employer has been somewhat anxious upon the same point, and he too 
goes down early that morning and finds his salaried young man showing that he does not work for salary alone. It is not solely an affair of hire and salary with him. He is not that kind of a young man. He is working for the success of the business. Or it may be that some day his employer proposes a certain mode of action in regard to a customer's account. Perhaps a young man has started in the office and has been asked to look after the credits, a most important part. His employers wish to close this credit, which perhaps would embarrass the customer. This young man, known to the customer, has had to visit his place occasionally in the course of business, collecting his accounts or trying to collect them, and the young man modestly says he is a splendid fellow, bound to succeed, does his business upon fair and wise methods, and only needs a little temporary indulgence to come out all right. The employer has faith in the young man's judgment and ability, thinks it a rather strong suggestion for a clerk to make, but says to him, You look out for this matter, and see that we do not lose. But, of course, we do not wish to injure one of our customers. If we can help him without risk, we wish to do it. The young man takes the matter in hand, and results prove he was quite right. The customer becomes one of the very best of all their customers, and one that it would require a great deal to take away from the firm. Or perhaps the bright young man may have noted the insurance policies upon the works, and their days of expiration. He finds the fact has been overlooked that some of the insurances have lapsed and are invalid. It is none of his business. He is not paid to look after the insurance of the firm. In one sense, the narrow sense, that is the business of some other man. But he ventures to call attention to the fact, and suggests that the premiums should be paid. But now mark the advantage of general reading and education. This young man has read the newspapers and reviews, and learns of several sharp business practices by which the insurer is sometimes defrauded of his insurance, and especially has he read of new methods and cheap plans of insurance. He suggests that it would be well to change this and that policy to another and very solid old company. You see, gentlemen, the businessman of this day has to read, yes, and study, and go to the roots of many things that he may avoid the pitfalls that surround business upon every side. He would not be an employer worth having that did not note what kind of a young man that was, although now in the humble guise of a clerk. THE SECOND STEP UPWARD Suppose he is an electrician or engineer, and comes from Sibley, which is a good place to come from, in the great manufacturing concern so fortunate as to secure his services, he has to do with some humble branch of the work, but he discovers that there are a few boilers which are not quite safe, and that the engines or motors are built upon false mechanical principles, and are very wasteful of fuel, and that one of the engines will soon give trouble. There is a foundation under it upon which he finds that the contractor has not done honest work or dropping into the works one night just to see that all is going well, perhaps he discovers that a man trusted by the firm has fallen into bad habits and is not fit for duty, or perhaps is not on duty, and that an accident might thus happen. 
he feels it to be his duty to take action here and safeguard the business from the danger of an accident he draws the plans which show some defects in the machinery lays them before his employers with suggestions how to cure these made upon the latest scientific principles that he has been taught in sibley the employer of course is very averse to spend money and angry to learn that his machinery is not what it should be but although his anger explodes and envelops the young man for a moment he is not shooting at him when the debris clears he sets down and learns from the young man what a few thousand dollars now might save and the result is that he tells the sibley boy he wishes him to take up the subject and attend to it and be sure to make all right already that young man's fortune is almost as good as made he could not hide his light under a bushel if he tried and the coming business man is not excessively liable to that sin and does not want to he is business all over there are no affectation or false modesty about him he knows his business and he feels fully conscious and proud of the fact that he knows it and that is one of the many advantages sibley gives him and he is determined that his employers should not at least upon that point no less than he does you must never fail to enlighten your employer you cannot keep such a young man as that back and this let me tell you no employer wishes to keep him back there is only one person as happy at finding this young man as the young man is in finding himself and that is his employer he is worth a million more or less but of course it would not be good for him to get it while so young he has now made two steps upward first he has got a start and secondly he has satisfied his employer that he renders exceptional service a decisive step as the french say he has arrived and he is there to stay his foot is upon the ladder how high he climbs is his own affair he is among the few within the very threshold of the whole business there is a good deal to be done after this however the young man has zeal and ability and he has shown that he has also that indispensable quality judgment and he has shown another indispensable quality that his heart is in the business that no other cause takes him from it that he pushes aside the very seductive temptations which surround young men and concentrates his attention his time his efforts upon the performance of his duties to his employer all other studies occupations and all amusements are subordinate to the business which holds paramount sway his salary of course increases if he has happened to engage with an employer who does not fully appreciate such services as he has rendered and is ready to render other employers have not failed to note that here is that rare article the exceptional young man in the service of their rival and it is possible that our young hero may have to change employers it does not often happen but it does sometimes that a young man has to do so as a rule the employer is only too thankful that such a young man has come to him and he makes it his interest to remain confidence is a matter of slow growth however and it is a far cry from a high salary as a hireling 
into equality as a partner. The Crucial Question Let us trace him a little further. This young man's services to the firm have been such as to render it necessary some day that he should visit his employer at his house. It is not long before many occasions arise which call the young man to the house, for he is now favoured upon his merits by the household, and to whom his nature soon becomes known, and the master soon begins to ask himself whether he might not some day make him a partner, and then comes the question of questions. Is he honest and true? Let me pause here one moment. Gentlemen, this is the crucial question, the keystone of the arch, for no amount of ability is of the slightest avail without honour. When Burns pictured the genius of Scotland in The Vision, these marvellous words came to him. Her eye, even turned on empty space, beamed keen with honour. No concealment, no prevarication, no speculation, trying to win something for which no service is given. Nothing done which, if published, would involve your shame. The businessman seeks first in his partner the soul of honour. One who would swerve from the narrow path even to serve him would only forfeit his confidence. Is he intelligent? Is he capable of forming a correct judgment based upon knowledge, upon distant and far-reaching issues? Young men, yes, and old men also, sometimes marry in haste, which is very foolish in both cases. But there is this to be said for the partnership. It is rarely entered upon in a hurry. It is not one or two qualities which ensure it, but an all-round character, desirable in many respects, highly objectionable in none, and with special ability in one or two. We often hear in our day that it is impossible for young men to become owners, because business is conducted upon so great a scale that the capital necessary reaches millions, and therefore the young man is doomed to a salaried life. Now there is something in that view only so far as the great corporations are concerned, because an interest in these is only attainable by capital. You can buy so many shares for so many dollars, and as the class of young men I address are not willing to remain forever salaried men, but are determined sooner or later to become businessmen upon their own account as masters. I do not believe that employment in a great corporation is as favourable for them as with private owners, because, while a young man can look forward to a large salary in their service, that is all to which he can aspire. Even the presidents of these corporations, being only salaried men, are not to be classed as strictly business men at all. How, then, can a young man under them be anything but a salaried man his life long? Where to look for opportunities? Many a business which has long been successful as a partnership is put into a joint stock concern, and the shares are offered in the market, and professional men, guilelessly innocent of business, and, sometimes, women of a speculative turn, and, I am sorry to say, many times clergymen and artists are deluded into purchasing. The public buys the business, 
but they should have bought the man or the men who made the business. You remember the Travers story? A friend called Travers in to see a dog that he wished to buy to clear his conservatory of rats, and when the dog fancier undertook to show him how this dog demolished these pests, one great big old rat chased the dog. Travers' friend said to him, uh, oh, what would you do? And Travers replied, b -b -b buy the rat. The public often buys the wrong thing. It would be an excellent study for you to read frequently the stock lists of miscellaneous companies. You will find some of the newspapers give the list, then note the par value of the shares, and the price at which you may purchase them. It may be said that this par value is upon fictitious capital. That is so only in some instances. In manufacturing companies, especially I think the reverse is the rule, the capital does not fully represent the cost of the properties. But there are many corporations which are not corporations, many instances of partnerships in which the corporate form has been adopted, and yet the business continues substantially as a partnership, and comparing such institutions with the great corporations whose ownership is here, there, and everywhere, we find a most notable difference. Take, for instance, the great steamship lines of the world. Most of these, as those of you who read well know, fail to make returns to their shareholders. The shares of some of the greatest companies have been selling at one-half and sometimes one-third their cost. These are corporations, pure and simple, but if we look at other lines engaged upon the same oceans, which are managed by their owners, and in which, generally, one great businessman is deeply interested, and at the head, we find large dividends each year, and amounts placed into the reserve fund. It is the difference between individualism and communism applied to business between the owners managing their own business as partners, and a joint stock concern of a thousand shifting owners ignorant of the business. The same contrast can be drawn in every branch of business, in merchandising, in manufacturing, in finance, in transportation by land as well as sea. It is so with banks. Many banks are really the property of a few businessmen. These soon become the leading banks, and their shares are invariably quoted at the highest premium, especially if the president of the bank be the largest owner, as he is in many of the most remarkable cases of success. In such partnership corporations there is every opportunity for the coming businessman to obtain ownership which exists in pure partnerships, for the owners of both manage affairs and are on the constant watch for ability. Do not be fastidious. Take what the gods offer. Begin, if necessary, with a corporation, always keeping your eye open for a chance to become interested in a business of your own. Remember, every business can be made successful because it supplies some essential want of the community. It performs a needed office, whether it be in manufacturing, which produces an article, or in gathering and distributing it by the merchant, or the banker whose business is to take care of and invest capital. There is no line of business in which success is not attainable. A SECRET OF SUCCESS
it is a simple matter of honest work ability and concentration there is no question about there being room at the top for exceptional men in any profession these have not to seek patronage the question is rather how can their services be secured and as with every profession so in every line of business there is plenty of room at the top your problem is how to get there the answer is simple conduct your business with just a little more ability than the average man in your line if you are only above the average your success is secured and the degree of success is in ratio to the greater degree of ability and attention which you give above the average there are always a few in business who stand near the top but there are always an infinitely greater number at and near the bottom and should you fail to ascend the fault is not in your stars but in yourselves those who fail may say that this or that man had great advantages the fates were propitious the conditions favorable now there is very little in this one man lands in the middle of a stream which he tries to jump and is swept away and another tries the same feat and lands on the other side examine these two men you will find that the one who failed lacked judgment he had not calculated the means to the end was a foolish fellow had not trained himself could not jump he took the chances he was like the young lady who was asked if she could play the violin and she said she did not know she had never tried now the other man who jumped the stream had carefully trained himself he knew about how far he could jump and there was one thing dead sure with him he knew he could at any rate jump far enough to land at a point from which he could wade ashore and try again he had shown judgment prestige is a great matter my friends a young man who has the record of doing what he sets out to do will find year after year his field of operations extended and the tasks committed to him greater and greater on the other hand the man who has to admit failure and comes to friends trying to get assistance in order to make a second start is in a very bad position indeed college graduates in business the graduates of our colleges and universities in former years graduated while still in their teens we have changed this and graduates are older as a rule when they enter upon life struggle but they are taught much more unless the young university man employs his time to the very best advantage in acquiring knowledge upon the pursuit which he is to make the chief business of his life he will enter business at a disadvantage with the younger men who enter in their teens although lacking in university education this goes without saying now the question is will the graduate who has dwelt in the region of theory overtake the man who has been for a year or two in advance of him engaged in the hard and stern educative field of practice that it is possible for the graduate to do so also goes without saying and that he should in after life possess views broader than the ordinary business man deprived of university education is also certain and of course the race in life is to those whose record is best at the end the beginning is forgotten and is of no moment 
but if the graduate is ever to overtake the first starter in the race it must be by possessing stronger staying powers his superior knowledge leading to a sounder judgment must be depended upon to win the race at the finish a few disadvantages he must strenuously guard against the lack of severe self-discipline of strenuous concentration and intense ambition which usually characterize the man who starts before the habits of manhood are formed the habits of the young man at college after he is a man and the habits of the youngster in the business arena are likely to differ there is another great disadvantage which the older man has to overcome in most successful business establishments there will be found in operation there is a strict civil service system and promotion without favor it is therefore most difficult to find admission to the service in any but the lowest grades one has to begin at the foot and this is better for all parties concerned especially the young graduate the exceptional graduate should excel the exceptional non-graduate he has more education and education will always tell the other qualities being equal take two men of equal natural ability energy and the same ambition and characteristics and the man who has received the best widest most suitable education has the advantage over the other undoubtedly end of the empire of business section seven business part one